Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. She says to me, um, Lily, you know I'm dying. And I said, uh, well, ma'am, it's inevitable. It's not going to be today or tomorrow. And she says, will you be all right? I said, I will, ma'am. Will you be all right? And she says, I will. I'm just a little bit afraid of where I'm going. And then she died the next day. So was she waiting on me to let her go? So as October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we are joined this week by the amazing Linda Keating. And you might not know her name initially, but she's obviously the founder of the Marie Keating Foundation. And once you hear that name, we definitely know what it is. And she was so generous with her time to come chat with us. Well, I think it's sort of interesting because obviously she's super chatty and very bubbly. And as you said, everybody knows the Marie Keating Foundation. In fact, if you hear the word, I mean, it's all sort of cancers, but particularly when you hear breast cancer, Mm. that's immediately, immediately think pink. You immediately think of Linda or she says Ronan, who (laughs) some people believe um, set it up. Um, But I found really interesting was like, it's 21 years ago mm. now and yet she still talks as though it was yesterday like she remembers down to what food they yeah. ate the night before what happened on the actual day and isn't that so funny you think with all of our guests you know these moments where we lose the people we love are forever with us yeah and that shows how significant they are like the details don't start to fade away you remember what you were wearing you remember what you you know mm. I remember I was eating a tuna sandwich like yeah. I remember the tuna sandwich when yeah. my mother died and I was just outside the door you know those little things and sometimes there's a fear that time will take them away the memories but it seems but like that's that's what I got from it because yeah. obviously you know it's 19 months so it's sort of of course mm. I still remember everything but like it's interesting that 21 years later yeah. um, and also I mean what amazing achievement that yeah. what it seems like a huge charity is actually when she broke it down it's just sort of yeah. about eight people it shows the what show. the power of eight people can do and all in the name of trying to prevent Linda's mother Marie she she died of cancer when she was very young 
and they want to help prevent other people from from that. And just those eight people have done so much already in the 21 years mm. through so many different things, which we found out about. It's not just about awareness. It's also about a comfort program that helps Survival. people financially. There's su- Survive and Thrive. Mm. So there's so many different things that they do um, that help people on the journey from diagnosis and then also for people who don't survive afterwards. So, yeah, it's, it's actually hard to quantify the work that they do. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month internationally. And for many people, the first name that springs to mind when thinking of the subject is that of Marie Keating, who passed away from the illness in February 1998. Now, since Marie's death, her family have done unimaginable work in creating awareness for the disease which devastated them 21 years ago. We're delighted to be joined in the studio today, though, by Linda Keating, Marie's daughter and founder of the Marie Keating Foundation, to tell us all about your family's story and why you set it up. I mean, this is your livelihood now. It is, yes. I was living in New York and I got a phone call from my mother to say that she'd found a lump. I adored the ground my mother walked on, as did all of the family. And I said, Jesus, mum, I'm coming home. And she said, you're not coming home, you're not coming home. And uh, this was on a Monday, right? Mm. So I said, I'm coming home, mum. So I looked at my passport, which was out of date. So uh, I had to get on to my mother's doctor to call the Irish consulate in New York to uh, get my passport put through and to get me on a flight home. Mm. So I arrived in at six in the morning on the Wednesday morning and we were in the hospital at nine o'clock and by 20 past nine, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. The doctor says, Marie, I don't even have to do a biopsy. I can tell you now Mm. that it's cancerous. So they did the biopsy anyway. But the reason we set up the foundation was to prevent other families going through what we went through because we were there every step of the way. I never went back to New York. I was coming home for four days and I thought, Mom, we'll do lunch. We'll go to the hospital, we'll do lunch and everything will be grand mm. for the next four days and then I'll fly back. Mm. So that was on the 25th of September uh, 1996. So Mum had her mastectomy on the 1st of October, which was ironic, breast cancer. And here we are, mm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But I kind of uh, was with her every step of the way and never thought that she was going to die for it. But a very important message that we want to get across to people out there is Mum ignored what she had for two years. And if she'd have done something about that earlier, she'd be alive today because yeah. we found out a year after she died her form of breast cancer was actually the most curable. So all they would have had to do was take her breast. She would have needed mm. no treatment, mm. no nothing. Can we talk a little bit about that, Linda? Because that is something that a lot of people go through. I know because both my parents did the exact same thing. Right. So they were so afraid of the doctor. They were so afraid of cancer. The diagnosis. They were so afraid mm. of what someone was going to tell them that they didn't go to the doctor and, and they both died subsequently. Really? They could have been prevented because of that fear yeah, and that's a very difficult thing I think especially as a parent I, I know myself now that I think I, I put off going to the doctor sometimes a little bit too because I think I don't want there to be anything wrong I mean you probably now are helping so many people by getting the word out there about yeah. it but how do we empower people when there is something wrong to face it and to go to the doctor well if they just listen to my mom's story I mean mm. she'd be alive today you know it is so senseless there is no such thing as a stupid question mom mm. had like you say this fear of the doctors it's called the white coat syndrome and even out of her five kids she had four of us at home that'll tell you how bad she was mm. um, so when it came to her own health she used to just say once the kids are alright then I'm alright and then of course she wasn't alright and we weren't alright mm. you know and if she'd have just looked after herself like mm. your parents if they'd have just 
gone mm, earlier. Yeah. Early detection saves lives. Yeah, and I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's a fact. I hate saying percentages. I'd rather say 83 women out of every 100 diagnosed with breast cancer now is surviving. Wow. It. Mm. That is a massive jump in survival rates. You know, there's 3,125 women diagnosed with cancer every year, with breast cancer every year. So, I mean, that's a massive mm. amount. I mean, it's an awful lot more people being diagnosed, but there's an awful lot more people surviving it. Mm. And it's not just breast cancer. It's any form of breast cancer. It's knowing your own body. Like we have a schools program that through the SPHE, we want to teach um, students in the senior cycle in secondary school Look out for changes in your own body. If you feel something wrong with a tooth, you're going to go to the dentist. If you think there's something Mm. wrong with your body, just go. Mm. It could save your life, you know. The whole word cancer, I think for anybody that does maybe sort of have a little inkling that there's something not right. That's the biggest fear, isn't it, though, being told? Because immediately when you hear that word, you go, I'm going to die or the person's going to die. And yes, there is a fear. Like when I go for my mammogram every year, it's like, oh, Jesus, I swear I'll do this. I swear I'll do that. I Mm. swear I'll do this. If if everything's all right, please let everything be all right. And then everything's all right. And you forget all about it. and You go back to life again. (laughs) You know, but but I think being more aware, like one of my brothers went at at 34. He was going for his regular health checkup. And uh, he says, can I have the prostate cancer Mm. um, test? And uh, the doctor says, you don't need this. What are you asking for this for? Mm. And he was like, look, can I just have it? And I guess it made us all more aware and Mm. and as a family and and getting the word out there. I mean, we're not just getting it out there. We're trying to live that Mm. life as well. And I think because of your parents, maybe, Sasha, that's something you do is that. Well, I found so sometimes I feel quite nervous in the GP situation because I am very conscious of my health now. But I actually will say it to them. I'll say, look, both my parents died from cancer. That's why I might be here more often. Yeah, yeah. Or that's why you might th- you might think I'm being a little bit oversensitive or you might think I'm being even borderline hypochondriac when I come mm. in mm. to get checked for things. But that's where your brain goes when you've yeah. experienced losing mm. someone you love. Yeah. And if you're overly careful, there can't be any harm in that. No, absolutely not. But they say everything in moderation, including yeah, moderation. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in driving ourselves mad no, worrying about it either. Mm. I mean, just go to your GP. And really, if your GP says, I don't think it's on to be worried about, if you really exactly. feel it yeah. is, just say, yeah. look, I'm sorry, can I have a referral? Yeah. I just would like it checked further. Mm. And we just have to learn. Like even when mom was in with the doctors and they'd say, Marie, it's this, this and this. And I'd be like, what does that mean? My mother would say, Linda, stop it. I'm like, mom, I don't I understand the words that the doctor just used. You don't question the doctor. Like, we need <laughs> need to learn yeah. to question you well, know? We, I think as well like you know your own body yeah. and I think those around you know the other person's body like yeah. in Martin's case when he got really thin mm. everyone was saying he's got very thin mm. and immediately and that's when I knew he knew and then everyone was starting to in our close circle question why, why? he lost so much mm. weight mm. so I think that's something that everyone has to remember as well when they go to the doctor that I know my body better than you do. So therefore, please listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, Um, true. Talk to us about setting up the foundation and how soon that happened after your mum passed away. It was actually immediately we were sitting around the table after mum died and it was just like an open wound that she just couldn't heal. I Mm. mean, we were lost. So um, we just said we have to do something to prevent other families going through what we're going through. So we thought we'd build these units, put them on the road and pick it up where mum didn't go. You know, it's like go into areas and let people step onto the unit unintrusively. You know, it's first of all, we had to put on the side of the unit. It's a free service Mm. and, you know, no, it's 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 not exams, examinations. It's not. We're not sticking needles in you. We're just trying to 
have a chat. Our, our registered nurses are just um, trying to have a chat with you, just on our mobile unit in, in an unobtrusive setting. So uh, we did this. We thought we'd run it for a year and hand it over to the government. So here we are 21 years later yeah. and I was going back to America to my own life. Mm. And, and anyway, I, I wouldn't want to go back now. I love what we do. But it was just to have the units on the road. And then like when mum was having her treatment, when she'd have to have her chemotherapy, she would sit on a plastic chair in a hallway for up to four hours waiting on her bloods before she could be seen. And that's nobody's fault. You have to wait on the mm. bloods to come back. So we started Refurbish Hospital Oncology Waiting Rooms and we're actually um, in the process of doing one at the moment. But I'll tell you about that again. But then we wanted the schools programme because we wanted to get to people at a young mm. age mm. and change their mind. One in four men don't know where the prostate gland is. And in your 40s or 50s, you're like, why do I not know where the prostate gland mm. is? Because something as simple as that, then they feel stupid. But why do they feel stupid? Because nobody ever told yeah. them. You know, it's just simple little things about our own bodies, you know. And then we saw a huge need for people who were suffering financially as a result of their cancer diagnosis. So we set up our comfort fund. And uh, we used to be able to give like 1500 2000 any amount of money to people who were going through um, a cancer diagnosis and just to give you an idea of what our comfort fund does there was one lady who had four children one of them was autistic she was a single mother living out the back in a granny flat of her aunt's house and to go and have her treatment for her cancer she had to get a babysitter and a babysitter for the one child alone for the child who was autistic was something like 20 or 30 euros an hour Mm. you know and then there was the other three and then she had to find a way of getting to the hospital Mm. get parking if she was able to drive you know you don't need Mm. that financial worry over your head when you're trying to deal with the diagnosis and I'm so glad you're talking about that because that's something where I think we feel embarrassed to talk about Mm. but illness and disease and things like it has a huge financial implications for families people having to take off time off work to care for someone and the fear of you know when someone gets sick if they could be sick for a long time and trying to figure it all out things like babysitters like Mm. people don't think about how sort of the detail and the small things and the or if if you're going through chemotherapy you need the heat on 24 hours a day even if the sun is shining outside I mean you start losing weight you need more clothes you know it's just and these are things that are way down on the list of people's priorities because you've got to put bread on the table and you know you've got to pay the ESB bills but there was another charity who had a grant like this and they ceased theirs they put a three 338% increase on the demand on ours so that we could give everybody that fit mm. the criteria a grant we had to lower those grants so mm. that's hard yeah. that's hard that you can't give more to people where there is such a need and like mm. you say Sasha there's a massive need mm. um, for that and there's a huge demand on that and then we also have our survivorship programs that we run um, for people who are out the other side of cancer and it's called Survive and Thrive and they are one day and six week seminars that we host all around the country just for groups of people to get together you know and we bring in specialists like people have the fear of reoccurrence is my cancer going to come back am mm. I eating the right food am I doing the right exercise mm. you know just all of these things and it's taking that fear factor away and helping people to readjust to the new normal because once someone has gone through their treatment they're just put back out and now you're all clear mm. now your cancer's gone now off you go back out in life and I mean that's that you can't just so that's fabulous to be able to provide that because like grief you're a changed person mm. I imagine if you survive cancer like it changes you yes, yes. It, does. Inherently. Yes, it does and a lot of people say it changes them for the better mm. that they don't sweat the small stuff anymore mm. you yeah. know and, and they put their their priorities change but I think and we all see it and you know if you go to see something really sad or you go to someone's funeral and you think god that really puts everything in perspective and then a day later you're you back forget to, it you do yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I have a friend who's um, 
yeah, he's great now and is you know got a really has had more kids since whatever but he was diagnosed with um, leukemia mm. and like literally brought the the baby to the doctor the doctor was like look, took a look at him and was like he was in um, A&E within 20 minutes mm. being diagnosed he was in anyway he was fine but then afterwards once he got better and he and Martin would have been close friends he mm. got almost like survivors grief I think he sort of felt hey, I got the, the cancer first, but I survived. So why did I survive? And that must be difficult for people because you make friends in the waiting room. You meet other people in the same situation. So there must be a bit of that as well. We have another thing that we run during the um, month of October. It's called our Survive and Thrive Fashion Show where we have 26 models. 16 of the models are, uh, we call them our supermodels, they're breast cancer survivors. Yeah. And they could be aged in their 20s. They could be aged in their 80s. They mm. could be four foot wide. They could be two foot tall. Do you know what I mean? It's all shapes and sizes. And Dorothy Perkins would dress all of the women and the women just loved their clothes. Now we do have 10 assets models that come out and <laughs> yeah. donate their time and it kind of, the mixture is fabulous and to yeah. see them all interacting. But at the end of it, I always say to people, go out and speak to a stranger. You know, you've all come mm. here with your family and friends, but nobody understands more what you're going through mm. than someone who's been through it themselves. So talking to somebody is great. And a lot of the nurses have told us that now everybody chats in the waiting rooms when they're waiting on their treatment and all mm. that. It has changed mm. things. And that's another thing we have to change. And your friends shouldn't feel guilty because they mm. survived it. You know, everybody's different. And if you and I get the same diagnosis and we start the same treatment, we're not going to react the same way to it. You know, I think mm. everybody's different and... It's hard to know. It's hard to know. But I think the power of positivity is absolutely fabulous. I love to see when people are positive. And it's difficult when you're going through a cancer mm. diagnosis to be positive. But I find it, it helps a lot of people along the way. Mm. And like some people like to talk about the fact that they've been diagnosed with cancer and some people don't. And you've just got to let people do their own thing and just be there for them, I guess. But but yes, I, I think nobody knows better what you've been through than someone who's been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember mom waiting on her treatment one day and this woman used to come in every day and she was always really glamorous and she had beautiful turbans on her head that she had made and everything herself. And uh, mom would be there in her leggings and her mm-hmm. jumper. And I'd say, mom, will you put something nicer on you? Come on, yeah. you know, <laughs> and feel better. Like So um, this one day anyway, I said, mom, go over and say hello to her. Yeah. They were both mm-hmm. waiting. And mom says, I can't. So I went over and I said, hi, my mum, mm. this is my mum, Marie, I'm Linda. And my mother just got so upset and I just walked away and left the two of them chatting. And then every day for their treatment after that, Aww. they were yeah. the best of friends, you yeah, know. And yeah. that lady actually knew her diagnosis. She said, they've given me six months to live. Mm. And she lived for seven years wow. because one of wow. her nieces came to do the women's mini marathon with us one year and she oh. says you knew my aunt she got her treatment with your mom and yeah. I was like oh my god and she told me that she lived for seven years like we don't know like yeah. you know we've got to be positive and you've got to live each day as you have mm. each day I think and make the most of it make the best of it I know that probably sounds condescending to some people but somebody's hurting and going mm. through and feeling what they're feeling talk to a friend talk to somebody help you through it and get out for a walk you know a bit of fresh air and try and feel a bit positive because I really do think that it helps people on their journey and and not just through cancer through Mm. any illness When you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring At BlueNile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting When you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones... Join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. I mean, there's so much that you're talking about that's actually so similar to grief, about talking to someone else who's been through Mm. it, about trying to get it out. All that stuff is very similar to kind of the grief experience. Mm. Um, Because you guys threw yourselves into something Mm. so, I mean... uh, that can have a really positive impact in terms of how you deal with your grief, but can also delay mm. it. She sounds like such a remarkable person and one of those mothers that don't come around all that often, just a very special person. What was the grief, and especially in the beginning, what was that like for you guys and how did you get through it? Mm. Yeah, How do you hold it together trying to say this? <laughs> um, well, every day for two years after my mother died, I visited her grave. Mm. I was devastated. I did go back to America and two weeks after being there, um, I got a call to say that my aunt, who was my aunt by marriage and had six miscarriages and always looked on me as a daughter, gets breast cancer. And I said, guys, I can't deal with this. Mm. You're going to have to deal with this. And um, another two weeks later, they said, Linda, it's terminal. You're going to have to come home. So I came home a second time. Mm. So I didn't go back. But the grief, it was just it was immense. Mm. And I'll never forget the first Mother's Day Um Ronan was touring and he came home and we were down at the house and we we all went over to mass together and the priest just just kept going so this was March mum had died on the 2nd of February your mother is so special and your mother is this and your mother well we were down the back of the church (laughs) in floods and we just we couldn't we just Mm. couldn't deal with it so we just we had to to walk out and Mm -hmm. leave but I think it's great with grief to cry. I know I'm 21 years later and I still find it hard sometimes. And I'm saying, Linda, why are you such an idiot? Would you ever cop on to yourself? But the positivity of the foundation and to have been able to, please God, help an awful lot of families and a lot of people through their grief is helping others. Uh, I adored the ground she walked on, as I said, as did all of my family and my mother had an individual relationship with each mm. one of us and a very special relationship. And you could say anything to her and never went back to the others. Yeah. Um, but I guess none of us actually believed she was actually going to die. Mm. Like the night before mom died, the doctor said to me, how do you feel about resuscitation? I'm like, what's wrong with your mom? He's off his head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
going to happen to my mother yeah. like and she died the next day but like mm. she was in the full of her health mm. we were having a chat I mean I read the newspaper to her that day but I did get the dead knock do you ever get the dead knock <laughs> everyone tells me I'm weird but it's a knock on the door so you get the knock on the door and I'm lying in the bed and I'm like oh my god if I get up is she still going to be alive if I answer it is she still going to be alive or if I don't answer it is she still going to be alive so I went out and I answered the door there was no one at it obviously mm. and uh, I drove to the hospital and I was like the whole way oh please I had banjacks to an old car and I had to scrape a hole out of the ice <laughs> on the window to be able to see out so I'm driving along and I'm like oh please God let her still be alive please God mm. and I walked in and she still was alive and that was about half seven in the morning and but she died at 12 o'clock that day but like mm. we read the newspaper we had, a, we had breakfast yeah. she sent me off to get slippers and uh, the nurses rang me and uh, on a mobile that I didn't know how to use because my brothers bought it so yeah. they could keep an eye on us the whole time right so I was like what's this so I drove back to the, the hospital anyway and mum had died but immediately I felt my mother didn't have all of her family around her so she didn't want anybody so she died the way yeah. she wanted to go you know I, I guess a dying person gets their final wish I think mm. you know mostly well I feel she did anyway you yeah, know we, my mother was alone in the room as well mm. we were just outside the room just one of those things right but, but, mm. but did you feel okay about that well, I think she wanted it. Mm. And my dad, we were all there, all of us. Mm. Like, it was like he was, the room was full. But I remember telling my mother that I was quite frightened when my dad died. I was very, I, the whole experience just scared me, which I, I mm. felt embarrassed about even saying, but I was frightened to see someone die. I never, mm. obviously, had never seen someone die, you know? And then I saw him. And so I remember talking to her a lot about it. And mm. some way, I think she maybe thought that she was protecting yeah. her kids yeah. and she just yes. needed to do this on yeah. her own. And yes. like you were saying, like, I do think it might be a choice that you get to make. I hope it is. That would be an, a good thing in a way, but it's complicated and it's so hard to know how those things, you know. But the thing you were saying about it's 21 years later, I'm in Egypt. Like my mother's birthday was on Friday and I I was just in floods of tears and I was thinking it's coming up on five years later that she died and I just, I'm just still so sad, right, mm. about it. I'm, yeah. It's not that I'm sad all the time, but I'm still no. so sad about yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> about that thing. But there's sometimes an embarrassment, but maybe it just doesn't go away. Like maybe 20 years later, 30 years, you deal with it differently and you move on in different ways, but you're still sad that it happened. I know, but if I could just talk and not be crying, like, I mean, yeah. it's just, okay, you can be sad, Linda, but yeah. just tell your story. Yeah. Like, but like even through mom's illness, she used to say to me, um, I'd say, now, mother, get into something nice. Now, we're going out, yeah. we're going for lunch, we're going here, we're going there. And I kind of feel that at times I fought mom's illness. Because then we'd get home and she'd say, oh, thanks for making me go out, Lil. That was great. I really enjoyed it, you mm. know. But you know I'm dying, Lil. And I'm like, will you shut up, mom? You're not dying, mm. you're not dying. But the night before, the day before she died, Ronan and myself were there in with mom because she had been taken back into the hospital. And uh, we had been there all through the night on the Friday night with her. And then on an all day Saturday or I can't even mm. remember. But anyway, but so we went home, we went to bed for a couple of hours. No, it was all through the Saturday night. Excuse me. We we're all through the Saturday night. And we went home early Sunday morning. She threw us out and we got a couple of hours sleep and we went back into the mm. hospital. And then I said, Ronan, come on, we'll go for a bite to eat. So we went for something to eat and I made him promise me that he was going to be OK. Were you going to be OK? Yeah, Lil, I'll be okay. So two of my brothers, Jared and Gary, were both living in the States. So we rang them and I made them promise. Gary was just on his last few months. He was graduating in the May 
this was February and it was the 1st of February and I said you need to promise me no matter what happens Gary that you're going to finish college and you're going to mm. so that was grand and Kieran then came down and met us and I made him promise me he was going to be alright and Jared promised me that they were all going to be alright and then I went back to the hospital not planning any of this but it's amazing mm. how I don't know it just comes out in your head God gives you the strength I don't know so we went back and I was having a chicken Kiev and I only had a bit of one and Ma met the other bit of it and we were sitting there chatting and she says to me, um, Lily, you know I'm dying. And I said, uh, well, ma'am, it's inevitable. It's not going to be today or tomorrow. Um, and she says, will you be all right? I said, I will, ma'am. Will you be all right? And she says, I will. I'm just a little bit afraid of where I'm going. I said, ma'am, for God's sake, you've no worries yeah. about where you're going. And I could see that peace in her face that she really mm. did. And then she died the next day. So mm. was she waiting on me to let her go? Oh, I you think know. there's something always yeah. there that and I was the person like, knows, whether it's yeah. 20 minutes before or yeah. the day before, or even they don't consciously know, but it's sort of subconscious, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely something before even a short amount of time that you know. And did you know? Yeah, because mine took his necklace off and put it in the sitting room because he couldn't find it after he died. And he died very suddenly at home, yeah. like heart attack in the kitchen gone and he'd taken it off and there was various other things he put his his phone on auto response oh. he'd gone to the night before he'd gone down to Tesco and I was of course texting loads of things that he'd forgotten <laughs> to get and don't forget to get this and don't forget to get that and the night of his funeral I remember ringing him because I wanted to hear his voice and I went to sleep and the next morning I woke up and there's a text from his phone going call you shortly oh my god and I Nearly, I nearly lost my mind mm. and I ran my best friend she's like oh but that's auto response and I was like but he never had me in auto response and I'd rung him several times and he'd ignored my call because <laughs> he's in the off license <laughs> um, the night before and there was no call you shortly and I know he had one or two other friends but he put it on for mine that morning mm. when oh I was out God. because he knew I'd call his phone at some point to listen to his voice I and came uh, back and called you shortly and do you take a comfort in that like I would take that he was well, ready not initially and I didn't no I know no sorry I nearly died <laughs> no, uh, no, no I mean, yes I do now. I do mm. because I go he knew and he was sort of a piece with it yeah in his own head he was sort of mm. going not ideal but I'm I'm sort of okay with this and I think that he was sort of trying to set stuff up because I wasn't there mm. I think that's what he was he was yeah. doing and just, I think, by taking the stuff off, oh. he knew something was wrong and he was having a little mooch around, like the mm. house just before. Mm. But the, I do believe that. I do believe people... Oh, gosh, absolutely. Mm. At whatever point it is, whether it's an hour, whether it's 20 minutes or whatever, I do believe there's a a time where you just go... This is going to... I'm going now. Yeah. Yeah, and you have the grace you know. to go. It's great. Yeah. And I guess we have to take comfort in that, that oh, yeah. there was no struggle... Mm you know, to, to, to stay alive, you're at peace and ready mm. to go. And I really do believe Mam was, was at peace and ready mm. to go. I feel once we kind of, we let her go, you know. How has running the foundation helped you from a grief perspective? I know Sasha touched on this slightly already, but do you feel, had you not done the foundation, you would be in a worse place or a better place or... Oh, God only knows. I mean, uh, I guess the people, the wonderful people that I have met and friends that I've made through the foundation mm. have just been amazing. And a lot of them are nurses, doctors, 
cancer patients. You meet lovely people through mm. it, you know. I think, has it helped my life? I guess it has. I don't know any differently, you know. I had a great life living in New York. Absolutely mm. loved my life in New York. Would I change and want to go back? I don't think so. And I could go back in the morning. But, you know, I'm very happily married here now. And the foundation is my life. When I got married, mm-hmm. Nick had to say, I take Linda and the foundation. And <laughs> yeah. Because it has to come first. I yeah. mean, you could be anywhere around the country mm. at anything. And but when people ask you to do something, this is only one thing I'm asking you to do, Linda. And you're thinking... But everybody's asking me to do one thing. And I, I love it because they're mm. not asking for Ronan anymore. It's, it's OK, you know, they're yeah. just asking for me to do it. So I'm like, you can do what you <laughs> like with me. And I love when I see somebody coming out the other mm. side or, you know, when someone sends us in a card, thank you for mm. the comfort fund or something like that. It's how you've helped somebody. And that's where I get my comfort from. I mm. guess that's where I get my gratitude yeah. from and I suppose and your grateful. mum's name is mm. still there yeah. and everybody knows it I know you know, I know. how does that feel yeah, that must yeah. be I definitely can't answer that one yeah. <laughs> I will lose it like yeah. people say to me she'd be so proud and I'd be like yeah you know I, 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 I can't even mm. I can't go there I can't yeah. think about it you know but then people say you know you kind of say to yourself would you, or people would say to you would you trade it all and I'm like oh Jesus I can't answer that yeah, question either yeah. you know there's thousands of people who have been helped because mm. of what she went through you know so mm. it's hard it's hard mm. I, I love the foundation we have um, a breast reconstruction day coming up on the 16th with the matter next Wednesday and that's open for anyone who wants to attend that I mean there must be people sitting out there women sitting out there saying oh God, will I go for reconstruction? Will I not go for reconstruction? Should I have had it with my surgery? I have surgery coming up. Should I, you know, get it done with surgery? Should I think about it? What should I do? Here's a perfect opportunity for anybody out there, you know, and they can log on. That's another thing. You know, I don't know how many people are listening that might take advantage Mm -hmm. of that. Or know somebody. Yeah, but you never know where somebody's listening or what you're doing or like I went into... um, MS the other day and one of the girls I called her name she works in there better not say her name but yeah. she was walking Catherine's her name she was walking across the floor and I said Catherine how are you and she goes you know what I have to say thanks she says she's trying to battle off the cigarettes she oh. says I was just walking out the door to buy a packet of cigarettes and I said I'll have one and then that'll be the end of it and she says I'm not going to do it now oh, she says you stopped me and I'm like good woman yeah. you know and it's things because she's spa- battling so hard mm. so even there so I stopped her from buying a packet of cigarettes and all I said was hello but you know what I mean there's the Marie Keating <laughs> Foundation power. hats always yeah. on you you know yeah. but what but a good power to have yeah, I mean of yeah, all the yeah. powers to have over people that's a pretty good one yeah. you know what I mean yeah. the people to see you and even if they think I'm going to take care of myself a little bit more I'm going to go to the doctor I'm going to make yes. those changes and one of the things that struck me so much from the beginning of our conversation was those statistics I don't mm. I didn't know that statistic I think you said 83% yeah. is curable mm. well 83 out of out of, out of 3,125 yeah. women that yeah. are diagnosed with cancer yeah. mm. 83% of those women I'm sorry I hate to say a percentage but yeah, it's 83 no. out of every 100 diagnosed will survive it, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm. And I'd like to think that the Marie Keating Foundation over the last 21 years have played even a small part in Mm. that. And we're a very small charity. Everyone thinks that we're huge because we're all over the country and we have big mouths. I have a big mouth, but uh, (laughs) we, um, you know, we do punch way above our weight. um, And there are so many people out there that want to do something and want to make that difference um, because, again, of losing a a loved Mm -hmm. one or all of our fundraising comes from corporate and and individual giving so people think we're huge uh, some people even think the Ronan funds it I heard that 
Isn't he great what he does for his mother? And I'm like a little brat. Why did he say, do you come on over here and help us out with this? Like, you know, or something. But anyway, he gets all that credit. Yeah. But um, so, so we're constantly uh, looking for people to support mm. us. Like this October, we have, if people want to text Marie to 50300, they can donate four euros to the foundation. And that will go into all of our breast cancer awareness support services mm. and awareness programs that we run. So it's things like that, that you're always, we're always at the mercy of people. I'm always a begging ass. I'm always looking for something but it's just so that we can hopefully help people out the other side you know we're on the awareness side we're on the support side when you're going through your cancer and we're there at the other side and we also have a positive living group um, that Helen our director of nursing all of our survivorship and, and, and programs and positive living programs she absolutely puts her heart and soul into them she's an amazing person um, and uh, the positive living are people living with metastatic cancer and uh, we had a seminar there the other day and out of the group I mean people think oh my god that's it I've metastatic cancer I'm, I'm not going to come out of this but one woman was there she's 15 years down the road mm. metastatic another girl that I know she was metastatic and I think she's about 20 years I mean yeah. it's like we were saying earlier yeah, it's changing it's, the conversation uh, really, yeah it's it? just I mean we've discussed this so much the whole stigma around talking about death and yes. the person that's died and how we talk to each other and I think diagnosis as well yeah. needs to be discussed more like yes. so that it becomes more of a especially if there's everyday. hope that people don't know yeah, about yeah. I mean that's the thing that like from yes. what I'm Real gathering from this conversation yeah. is that there's actually like there is hope and you might not think that that day when you're sitting down and being diagnosed you might feel like this is it and if you don't talk to someone else or you don't reach out to someone who might say to you actually did you know this you know that 83 percent and then you go maybe I will get through this. And then it starts to change in your mind a little bit. Yeah. And and if we don't talk about it openly, then those people could feel quite isolated and alone. And That's why I think groups like our Survive and Thrive yeah. programs or our Reconstruction Day or any of our survivorship programs, our mm. positive living programs, just get together with people who are on the same journey that you mm. are, you know. I mean, all your family and friends are always around you to support you and help you, but they don't understand. Nobody understands more what you're going through than someone who's going through mm. it or has been through it. And that's an amazing power and the power of positivity. And I think that's one thing as well about the Marie Keating Foundation. I always try and we all always try. And from the get go, like all of our um, it's 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 the positive side of it, not the negative side mm. of it. Not one in 10 women mm. will be diagnosed with breast cancer. Nine out of 10 lumps are benign. You know, yeah. it's like this is the story we have to get out there and they're the stories you have to get across and, and introducing people to like minded people. I think we're very lucky that we've had that opportunity and like our CEO and all of our nurses, our drivers, everybody um, in fundraising and PR. I mean, there's only there's only 18 of us in total mm. and like eight of those are part time nurses. So people think we're huge. We're not. There's two of us in fundraising, fundraising myself and Fiona. There's our CEO. There is a Jen in, in communications. There's Angela that schedules our mobile units and our service. And then there's Bernie and Helen, our, our nursing team. And it's just people think we're massive and we're not. Mm. But but everybody Isn't is passionate. Yeah. But they're yeah. passionate yeah. about yeah. what they but do. But you guys do some serious work for people live at that small a team. You do some incredible work because so many people know about what you do. Mm. And oh, so you. that is a very impressive thing. Mm, um, thank you so much. much for joining thank us, you. for talking oh, about thanks, your mom. Sasha. We wish you the best of luck. Thanks very much. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.